Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by NatureBox. With over 100 delicious options to choose from, NatureBox delivers high-quality, healthy snacks right to your door. Head over to naturebox.com slash badchristian today and receive 50% off your first order. That's naturebox.com slash badchristian for 50% off today. That's right, Matt Johnson. Today's show is also sponsored by Stamps.com. Buy your postage online at a fraction of the price without ever having to leave your home. Sign up today at Stamps.com and use promo code BADCHRISTIAN to receive a four-week trial plus a special bonus offer valued at $110 that includes postage and a digital scale. That's promo code BADCHRISTIAN to receive your four-week trial and bonus offer today. And finally, today's show is also sponsored by Pro Flowers. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift for mom? Send her the 100 blooms for mom bouquet for just $19.99. All you have to do is go to proflowers.com and use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN to get this awesome deal. This is stunning bouquet. Sells out fast, so order today. Again, that's proflowers.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN to get the 100 blooms for mom bouquet for just $19.99. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Kick it. Be a Christian. Be a Christian. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I did all boy. of it by myself. We don't we don't need that pastor on here. Yeah, yeah I was going to beatboxing and interrupting. Nicely done. I thought you were going to call me in to do it, and I'm glad you didn't. You took care of it by yourself. I appreciate well, that. Well, here's why, Matt. Can I say real quickly why you Matt Johnson is here? Matt Johnson is our guest host today. Joey's not here, yo, and yo. he did such a great job of reading the pre-roll, and then I did too. Mm-hmm. And then it sounded like our weird pubescent brother that was trying <laughs> to act like us. Yeah, and just failed miserably. So I did not want you to try and do anything out of your wheelhouse. You I appreciate I mean? it. We were already out there. <laughs> you might Matt, want to yeah. try that one again, Matt. That was uh, Matt Johnson's. Uh, you know, that was his thing. It was unplanned, and so we just rolled with it. But I've like always it. wanted to do that. Thank you. Well, now you Thanks have for, done it. Thank you for the creative freedom. So I hope people know who Matt Johnson is. He is a friend of ours. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about today because he's quite interrelated to us. He's helped us do a bunch of our book stuff and book publishing. Worked on Lunsford's book. He co-wrote what's the word for that you you joey's book was by joey Svensson with matt johnson yep so you you i don't think exactly think that's a co-write but it's something like that contributing writer contributing writer to joey's book and helped him sort himself out uh matt johnson it was uh been at mars hill for a long time known him forever he played in a in a couple of bands at least roadside monument and what else Blenderhead. Blenderhead played with. Others, yep. So back back in that scene, Matt Johnson also just played drums on the new Matt and Toby record and is probably going to be playing a show with us this Thursday if you can, if uh, we can yeah. get the rehearsal down for it. I hope so, yeah. And that show is at Numo's in Seattle on Thursday night. So Toby's getting on an airplane and headed this way tomorrow. 
Yeah, tomorrow morning. And that's that's what's funny. I was telling uh, Jess's uncle was in town. He was like, how do y'all practice and do all that stuff? And I said, well, we uh, we used to play these. We, we haven't played these songs, Matt and Toby songs, in probably close to three years. <laughs> that's <And> true. <laughs> and I said, when I sat down to practice, I went, I have no idea what the songs sound like, look like, the names, anything. So I had to go. I Googled everything. And then I found, this is what is amazing about this day and age. I found videos of our living room shows, and I was like, oh, yeah. And then I just was, I was getting right back in it. I was like, I, I, so YouTube helped me practice. So yeah. I practice way better with YouTube than with any member of the band, actually. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, it's really bizarre because it's, I forgot everything, what I'm supposed to sing, what play, what, in, what I play, what instrument I'm playing. And I look at those YouTube videos, and I'm just thinking, it, it's almost like it wasn't me because now I'm in the position of any other kid out there learning a cover song, except for it's just it was it's me or some previous version of me that did the original song that I'm now having right. to learn like just a kid who learns off of YouTube. So I know it, I, I don't know that I'm any more qualified than than anybody else to do the gig. <laughs> I know. When I was when I was watching, it was kind of funny because I was like, man, that. That guy's pretty good. I got to get that good. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, well, crap. I'm not going to be as good as this YouTube video. This dude I'm on YouTube's right killing this song. Yeah, I came in last night and set up my keyboard and amp and tried to get my effects and guitar and stuff all working. I just felt so. I just feel so dumb about it because I don't know what I'm doing. It feels like it feels so. It, it just feels wrong. Like, shouldn't if I'm in a band and I play music, I should do this every Tuesday night and just be dialed. But now here it is coming up to a gig and performance, and I had to start with actually learning the songs and how does this stuff work. It's, it makes me feel phony or something like fake. Did you look at the song list and go and not even be able to imagine the, the like how's this? I can't even hear the melody in my head right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes. I, yeah. I've, I've had, or I've I can't remember the chords at least. Yeah. You know. I can't even on remember. Every, on every single song, this is my first reaction when I heard it. Oh! I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but before that moment, if you would ask me to save your family's life, sing one line from a song that you wrote, I would not have been able to do it. Yeah, a song my that you had written. And I used to be able to remember songs that Toby wrote better than he could remember them, but now I don't think that's true anymore. I don't know if my memory's gone or if I just learned too many songs, which I don't. I know that's not how the brain works, but the truth is we do have like over 100 published songs, so I'm going to give myself a little slack. We've got over 100 published songs that I've you know, written on and recorded and performed at different times. So I got to give myself a little break. The right? other thing, too, that's always gotten me is that we always, <clears throat> Matt uh, Johnson, I don't know, I guess I, maybe I'll call Matt Johnson MJ. This is going to get a little confusing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll just keep saying MJ. So MJ, I don't know how y'all did it, but we always had a, like, just silly, stupid uh, working titles for songs. We we right. do funny names or whatever. Now, the problem with that is those work as almost like a mnemonic device or whatever, you know, because you remember really strongly that idea you know it's like a memory palace thing i put it there and i go oh this song's called fat fish with 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 a baby head right i remember that way more than you know the ponytail parades now, i'm just saying that but i'm just saying you know like some of that stuff yeah. did y'all have did y'all always go, how did y'all when you were doing y'all's music did you have much say in the titles and all that stuff i remember a version of that with um Actually, me and my brother-in-law, Nate Burke, did a little project thing um, with the Clark Brothers from Demon Hunter and uh, called Deathbed Atheist. It never got off the ground, but we wanted to do kind of a metal side project thing. Mm -hmm. And we had place marker song titles for all of the, the demo songs we were doing. 
So it'd be like Judd Judd by Thrash Chunk. You know, it'd be something like that, like that was just describing the portions the of the song, of it, yeah. but we didn't have yeah. titles for it yet. Yeah, a lot of a lot of working titles wind up making their way into albums anyway at some point, and because song titles are actually, I think, bullshit really anyway, because there's so many creative choices you have to make in doing something like an album, all the way down to the artwork, to the liner notes. You're gonna make music videos, what you wear, do the photo shoot not to mention all the tracks themselves, and you have to title the album. You've already titled your band, and now you have all these songs that you've written that certainly the lyrics almost inevitably came later anyway, and before you even kind of knew what the song's about. And now all of a sudden you have to turn it in. You've got 12 more titling creative decisions to right. make at the right. end of the album-making process. So, you know, it's, it's no surprise, and you've seen that for years, that, that people get, like to get silly with their song titles. And I, bands are, I think, often not taking them very seriously. You just, right. you just have to put something out there. Then it reminds well, me of the uh, the early 2000s, the bands that would have, like, a paragraph goofy long to, yeah, exactly. title because, yeah. just because <laughs> yeah. of that problem. Like, it doesn't matter what we call it, so... Fans sure do care though. Like they got mad at us, like on our third record when we named like two songs. We just loosely tied them the movie song and the party song, and we we're like, let's just stick with that. And people are like, oh, yeah. and I remember getting some flack for. I oh, think yeah, fans think. Is, yeah. I think fans think even the title is a part of the artistic process. And it is. And it, it to reflects, be fair, it, it can be. It can be, but also at the same time, uh, for me, that's what I'm saying. When I go off, like when I name a song at the end. Like, a lot of times, we, there's been several times where we had the whole song recorded and everything. So, hey, we need a name for this. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's the only time I ever really thought about it. So, I don't ever think about it. It, had, it really had nothing to do with yep. the song. To yep. me, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the same thing as a graveyard. Like, I don't want to be buried in a graveyard. That that tombstone has nothing to do with my entirety of my life. And it's someplace I've never been during this <laughs> life. So, why why do I want to remember that part? I want to, you know, I'd, I love that. That's an image, yeah. strong imagery for the, the, and the, it's like what I say about songs is by the time they're recorded and put out, then I've, I've had my experience with them and they've moved on. Yeah. So, they're dead. Yeah. They're like, gra- like song titles are gravestones. I like that. Yeah. And that's just so. the end of the song. You you have to finalize <laughs> it and ship it off, and it's dead to you. There's your next title. <laughs> Except for you have to pay yeah. it for another, play the songs another thousand times. It still is the only hey, problem. So I've been really busy, too. So we, we're recording this Matt and Toby record, which Matt Johnson played drums on. Matt, do you enjoy? What do you think about the record? Just from I know you have to kind of say good. Yeah, it has to be. Whatever you say right yeah, now has it, to be it's so awesome. somewhat it's, flattering. It's the, oh, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I, I'm just so blown away by it, you guys. Um but no, um, it was. I was telling Matt earlier. It was an interesting process. It was just sort of like throwing paint on the wall, where we had just a skeleton of a song, mm-hmm. and Zach would say, "I don't know, try this." And I like because I'm not hearing necessarily hearing the song in its, in its entirety. It was like throwing paint on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, does this work? I don't know. This this seems like really off the wall. And Zach would just say, "Just go with go with it." So it was really fun. Yeah, we had yeah. Uh, several other drummers that we wanted to do the gig, but ultimately I wanted it to be if somebody said, did Matt play the drums? I wanted the answer to be yes, so we chose yeah. you that <laughs> way. That way if it, it could just stay real Matt and Toby. Yeah, We needed somebody named Matt to yes. play the drums. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm blown away by how good it's it's turning out, and I love so much of the drum work on it. You're right. Like I, I think that almost accentuates it for me because. It feels like uh, the your drum work on there really is very original, even for the song, because we didn't we didn't specify definitely play this. Some of it obviously lends itself to you know what you're going to do, but some of it doesn't. So I think it's right. really fun uh, on, on certain parts. Like uh, 
for example, like the end, like we do a, a song, Psalm four. It's it's Psalm four, and and then at the end, that the drums kick in. It just feels so great. Yeah. Like you know, th- there's really no drums on the entire song until the very end. And you're like, whoa, yeah, this is so rad, and stuff like that. It's just really neat. Like the drums get to stand out and be a real serious instrument to the music musicality of the whole record. I, that's what I really think is neat about it. That's cool. So, and I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, it's, it's I just sat down and started playing stuff. Well, the mixes are almost there, and uh, we'll cool. have we're going to give away some songs to the people that pre-order the record, which will be start probably while we're on tour, assuming we can get yeah. it all dialed. And you can Man, go. We're to, on tour. Yeah, we're going on tour next week, week after. Go to theclassiccrime.com and you can find the tickets. Uh, right we're going there. on tour with the classic crime, That's yes. Right. And civilian. But we're going to have the record up for pre-order. And anybody that comes to the show or pre-orders the record, we'll give a couple of tracks to right away because we can do whatever we yeah. want. And this one's even fun because we funded it entirely ourselves. We didn't crowdfund or anything. So we already have the record done. It's complete, ready to go. And so as soon as we put the pre-order up, people really will be hearing it and having the opportunity to participate for the very first time. And I don't care if, yeah. you know. I don't. I, we can give the songs away as much as we want, and I'd be happy to give it away to people that are ready to get going on the new record. So, uh, let's pay a bill, Toby. You got one. You got something oh, in front I, of you there. I, oh, oh, I can pay some bills. All right, here we go. What do you guys think of when you want to snack, but all you can find is junk food? And that's been <clears throat> kind of the story of my life. It's so easy, oftentimes, just to have junk food laying around, and you just and you just settle, right? And all I can have is to. to to go on is to rely on my self-control, which I almost have nothing. <laughs> I have almost no self-control to resist temptation. And so then I end up eating junk food and feeling gross and feeling bad. And, and it's just things that I didn't really enjoy and didn't want to eat in the first place. So that's why I'm so happy. Once again, I get to talk about Nature Box. These folks here are just amazing. I mean, I, I love this company. Um, I have started snacking healthy with Nature Box. I mean, Nature Box makes snacks that actually taste great and are better for you. Created with high quality ingredients that are free from artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners, so you can get, uh, so you can feel great about your snacking, which is what I've been wanting to do most of my life, and now I get to. Uh, some of my personal favorites are, uh, I like, man, I like so many, but I love the aged cheddar lentil loops. And then uh, the Santa Fe corn sticks. Oh, my gosh. And then, honestly, I, I always like just, just fun stuff. What's neat is they, they uh, some of the things are just named in a fun way, like Kung Pao pretzels. And that just gets me. I'm like, I'll get that. I just, that just sounds like it's going to be good. And it is. All their snacks are great. Uh, Nature Box recently made their service even better. Now you can order as much as you want, as often as you want, with no minimum purchase required. And you can cancel anytime. That is so mm-hmm. user-friendly. Uh, it's simple. Go to naturebox.com and check out their snack catalog. There are over 100 snacks to choose from, and they're constantly adding delicious new snacks all the time. Choose the snacks you want, and they'll deliver them right to your door. You don't have to go anywhere. They'll deliver them right to you. With NatureBox, you'll never get bored. There are new snacks each month inspired by real customer feedback, and if you ever try a snack you don't like, NatureBox will replace it for free. So right now, you'll save even more. NatureBox is offering our fans 50% off your first order when you go to naturebox.com slash badchristian. That's naturebox.com slash badchristian for 50% off your first order. Naturebox.com slash badchristian. Thank you, Toby. Now, uh, yeah. one thing I love when you have somebody 
on a podcast, and I hope everybody understands this. It's the same thing you should think of when you go to a dinner party or you have small talk with somebody in public. You should have some ideas on hand. So, for instance, I've been doing the Break It Down podcast every day now, and I have recurring guests on. And guests like Tim from Under Oath and Dan Koch, when they come on, they always show up and they they bring two or three things that they want to talk about each time. Yeah, And that makes them absolute heroes in my book. And Matt Johnson has done the same thing. Matt Johnson brought in ideas and things he wanted to talk about based on news and recent conversation and i just had to tell you thank you for that absolutely so whether it's whatever it is it doesn't matter it's just the fact that people understand that you you know you bring something it's like bringing a bottle of wine to a party so right. thank you for for the wine what'd you bring us uh, <laughs> you know what i sent uh i sent ideas like two weeks ago so i don't even really okay i will tell you tell me what i know what they are um, well, I, I'll tell you what they are. They, you said that one of them is you wanted to rant about Driscoll, which we'll give you the opportunity to do. Um, that, I, I changed my opinion yeah. on that uh, depending on the day of the week. Okay. <laughs> the other one was the, we apparently you've been listening to the show, and you, you said that, that I've been talking about how I think about death a bunch more and that that's in your book, yeah. uh, which we'll talk about your book too, and that mid- midlife crisis, which I love the concept of that, so I'd like to talk about that. And you also wanted to bust our chops because you said we started this tooth and nail podcast thing, and uh, we omitted so far, as you can tell on the teaser, all those really old lame bands that were before our generation, yeah. like yours. Yeah, you guys, I, I love how you guys think that tooth and nail started in like two thousand two or so. Yeah. I thought yeah, I thought nice Under Oath touch. was the first band signed to yeah, Tooth and Nail. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> No, we were just capturing a specific era there starting just to start off with. We were going to start with Further Seems Forever and then what happened right after that because we're most familiar with it. Right. But we were going to take that show a bunch of different places. And we'll get back to the old fart bands. And and old guys like me don't really, you know, I'm sort of an anomaly. I don't, you know, old people like me don't listen to podcasts because we don't don't have computers. So That's right. You're too old. Uh, We (laughs) didn't figure anything about it. Right. You still have like a Texas instrument, right? Still have, (laughs) yeah, still have dial up. I draw pictures on my dot matrix uh, computer. <laughs> I actually just talked to Billy about we're going to do an episode about you, you old fogies and uh, for the Tooth and Nail podcast. I think it'll be really interesting. <laughs> I think one thing that it's really I, I, I'd like to ask you this question. This and maybe this will come out on the Tooth and Nail podcast too. But uh, do you think uh, it was timing and people weren't ready for that music? Like when I think about, I had this conversation. Um, yesterday with uh robert chisholm from joan zetta and i was i was we were talking about the band uh juliana theory and although they did really well i almost feel like if they would have came out just a couple of years later they would have been like the taking back sunday or or something like that you know they yeah. would have been even bigger i mean to do as much as they did even further scenes forever really i mean they i just almost think they were right too soon and then do you think like the same way like with uh, with the music, the earlier music on Tooth and Nail, was it so new that people didn't understand yet? What do you think? Like, why I, aren't you super rich and famous? Oh, that is a great question. I don't bad contract. I don't know. Um, uh, no, none of my bands sold a ton of records, so um, I think there's so many factors with that. It's it's like timing. It's the market. Um, I think you guys were talking about in recent weeks. I think you were talking with Don Clark actually about like the timing mm-hmm. of stuff and and when it comes out and it, like just the exact perfect timing and I think it was yeah. everything was so brand new um you know like originally Tooth and Nail uh the idea behind it is that you know it basically would operate as a general market label but had some inroads into the Christian world and it ended up being basically a Christian subculture thing yeah. um but I don't I don't think most of the kids that were fans of that really 
they didn't understand the music scene necessarily. They just knew it was something different. They're like, right. Oh, cool. like, cool. This isn't like Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's yeah. something different. It sounds aggressive or whatever. So it's cool. But they didn't, they maybe didn't understand the, the scene that some of this music was coming from. Yeah. Um, it sort of exposed them to new things. And then, you know, a couple of years later, they started building record collections or something like that. But I don't know. It's hard to say. It, it's timing. It's the market. It's uh, it's a lot of different stuff. Yeah, it's just but, you know you have you have all that these new ideas. This whole thing of the it's an explosion of totally alternative sounds that nobody had ever heard before in that bubble at least. Right. And so it, of course the the sounds weren't even all that good or cohesive. And poor old Lou didn't sound anything like Supertones. Didn't sound anything like MXPX. Right. Whatever. And it's just all that stuff together freed everybody's mind, so the next generation could get some stuff right, like Emery finally did. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, what I see though is that um, in in the the early '90s up into the, the later '90s is that into the 2000s it seems like the, this is going to sound like a diss, but it sounded like some of the bands were somewhat homogenous after that. Yeah. Because right. they, yeah. I I think, um, and maybe it had to do with like Aaron Sprinkle doing a lot of the the production work in in the same studio a lot of the time. There was something really cool about that where it's like mm-hmm. the bands the quality was very consistent. You knew what you were going to hear. And, and some of the bands had like a sameness in their sound, which is good in one hand. But earlier on, you had bands all over the place. I mean, you had like a yeah. Havelina rail company and then unashamed. Like how, how the hell does that right. make sense? Like those two kinds of bands on the same label, there was something pretty cool about that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Where it was just different. It wasn't mainstream. It was just different. And, uh, there was a yeah, lot that's of that's the same thing was happening in nineties radio though yeah. at the time. Like if right. you think in the nineties from 92 to 97, it was just every possible sound would encompass rock alternative radio. It was just, they had everything from semi-sonic to Nirvana to, you know, Limp Biscuit would have been in almost in about that point. Like everything right. across the board, Sugar Ray yep. or Smashing Pumpkins. It was just everything. Blind mm-hmm. Melon. I mean, you know what I mean? So, yeah, totally. That was, a- yeah, Tooth and Nail was almost like a, a genre, just like a label. Cause there was, it was just like, yeah, this is, I think these are, these folks are Christian and the music's all over the place. And then I think you're right. Like around, the, then they, they kind of started being that hardcore, post hardcore, screaming, screamo. Genres that that we kind of fell into, and then I think that's when things started really, really happening. Like as far as it, it be, probably became a little bit more uh, radio friendly esque. I don't know. I know we yep. didn't really have like a lot of those bands didn't have tons of radio success, but it was a little bit more palatable in a sense of like you said, you kind of just you knew what you were getting. Right. Right. So. Okay, I want to talk but, about a couple other things here. One of them is this. If you'll let me shift gears a second here is. I mean, talking about this stirs my mind in a sense of thinking about the 90. I've been thinking about this lately. Just uh, I was look, talking to Georgia about going to school, and I was like, I looked down at her, and, and she said, and said, you like going to school? And she said, yes, which is cool for a three-year-old. But I was like, you know, you're probably going to go to college, too. You have like 20 more years of school. And I just remember, you remember being in school and thinking you have 10 years yeah. left and like oh, hating yeah. school and thinking yeah. how much time is left in that. I- it just it's awful, but she's at that point now, and she and I'm like I, just, I look at her and go, oh, I'm so f- sad for you. You've had 15 or 20 more years of school <laughs> ahead of you, so. and I just think. And then I was thinking about this because so I got in, I was in school, which was prison. I mean, it's just prison. That's all it ever felt like to me. And then I got out of that, and I've been in this culture of Christianity after that, which is just more people trying to tell you what to do all the time and the rules and judgmental, like. 
it's just like it feels like a continuation almost like all I've ever been I imagine everybody has this experience and might be particularly chafing to me but it feels like everybody always has been telling me what to do and judging me which is why alternative music and tooth and nail and these things have always been such a breath of fresh air it's like ah you can Mm -hmm. do what you want this is harmless I'm playing a weird sound on the guitar but at least nobody's telling me what to do finally so I went all the way through school education prison and then in Wait, Christianity, you went to prison no school education? is prison. I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. And then and then the, the Christianity is about the worst of being judgmental and moral enforcement and those things, which I've just always been really uncomfortable with. I spent so much time there, but the Christians have been working on that. I will give major credit to Christianity for working on de, you know, not being so strict moral wise and being less judgmental. It is in our culture to be aware of that, even though we're still pretty bad about it. Mm-hmm. We've been pretty good. Pre- we've made a lot of improvement. And now my hackles are, st- uh, what is it? Cackles? What is a, what is a cat or a dog come up? Cackles? Yeah, I think hackles. it's cackles. Cackles. So yeah, I think it's cackles. I'm starting to feel Something this, cackles-y. these cackles now, because even though we, now I've gone through this whole slug of getting through Christianity and creating some space out here and everything else. And now out of all things, it seems like the the, the left leaning people or left whatever side of everything is now becoming just now rising up into a very immature state of trying to enforce rules and telling everybody what to do and what not to do. And I was thinking, man, as soon, once we break free of this Christianity, at least then we can be free, not break free of Christianity, but the the judgmental moral start of it. And now there's a new bad actor in town there's and another left and they're it. just trying to tell everybody what to do all the time <laughs> and be an, judgmental. And it's I'm just not, another flavor of it. But, but it's, it's even worse because they're, they feel super just, they're, they're fer, they have a lot of fervor and yeah. they're excited and this, they're coming out time and they're, they want to tell everybody, including them, their own selves and their own tribes and everything, what to do, what not to do, point out, tattletale. It's all just childish bullshit, really, yeah. to me. Not that they don't have really great points on many things. They're probably are right about most things that they care about. Totally agree. I'm not taking any beef with any of their policy ideas or whatever, but the attitude is shut people down, uh, t- call them out, tattletale, tell them what to do, what you can do, what you can't do. All that stuff is like, great. Even in adulthood going forward, we're just setting ourselves up for another oppressive people telling you what to do all the time? Is that... Yeah. Is that is that where we're at? Because I, I hate that. Yeah, it's just different forms of control, and uh, the really shitty part is when you mix that with religion. You know, like uh, a tenet of our faith is that you know you come to Jesus and you're going to be free, right? Yeah. Like come to Jesus and you'll be set free. But then you realize when you get into it culturally, there's just these different versions of control, which is I mean that just messes with people's heads, you know. So, uh, but. So then you try and get free from that. Like you're saying, maybe you're a little like you want to be more uh, uh, aware and listening to sort of left leaning voices or whatever. And like you're saying, then you realize, oh, it's another form of control that these folks have, too. So, But they're so immature about it. Like they're new. They just found this new power where you can call people out on Twitter and make noise and it works. Right. And it's it's like, yeah, like just like you imagine early Christians rising to power in the United States is able to, you know, put regulations and policy that favors their religion. It's like, yes, we can yeah. tell people what to do. This is the best. We yeah. can control people. And now we have a new emergent actor on the scene that's like, oh, boy, <laughs> there we go. Yep, totally. I, I think that people, it, it's just innate that you want to have a little bit of power. Like That's why I think, I was trying to think, like, why does Facebook work so well? Like, we were having this conversation, Jess and I, last night, that it, isn't it amazing that 
Facebook was created and it just just totally fulfills your base want or desire for like voyeurism. Yeah. Like everybody's just a voyeur. You get to see uh, you know, the guy you dated from eighth grade, what he's up to now. Oh, he's a loser. Oh, I knew I bro- I'm glad I broke up with him too. Oh my gosh, they just had a baby. That's so awesome. And all this, and you can choose what you want to talk about, what you don't, all this stuff. And you get this little bit of judgmental power. Yeah, the judgmental and then, power. Th- yeah. And then it's moved on to, oh, wait, now I can actually say whatever I want. And some people will agree with me. Yeah. No matter what I say. So you get this thing, you get this in, it, reinforcement of what I, what I am matters, and I feel like that's what it is. It's like it feels like you're you get to matter, even though you know you think you know you're just a, the average Joe. You get to have a say in the world and life, but it really doesn't mean anything. But I think that's that driving force of of putting people down isn't so much that you so strongly uh, disagree with them that you want to change them. It's more you just want to be able to say, "Oh, you're stupid," and people yeah. go, "Yeah, they're yeah." Stupid. But it works. Yeah. Like you can yeah, like like they say, if a company gets. You know, I was hearing about how they attack, uh, for instance, in the O'Reilly thing, which good, good that O'Reilly's in trouble and gone and all that. But uh, like they were going after his sponsors, which bothered me on some level. I think that's kind of wrong. Right. I mean, I understand people can do what they want, but they do. There's stuff out there, and again, I'm glad he's gone and, and exposed for what he is. I think that's a pretty. I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think that's a good use of information and people sharing stuff is somebody like him being exposed. What I don't like is the uh, is you can control those things by if you can if you they get these mailing lists and, that are anti O'Reilly people that are hyped up about or anti any right wing person and they will send a mailing list out to like hundreds of thousands of people and say complain to these companies and they list their ten sponsors and if five hundred people on that hundred thousand tweet at them and send them emails the company will freak out. And you can, you know, and that's not because of necessarily anything somebody did, but just fuck him. I don't like him, which is, that's dangerous. It's not, I mean, bad people should be in trouble. They should go be exposed and go through legal stuff and all that stuff for sure. But if if you know that that's true and you can control people and get them fired just because you don't like what they're, what they're like or their message, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's the kind of type of thing that really concerns me because you can just, like you said, Toby, it feels good to have power, like we took him down or something like that, and it's just acting out very childishly, but it's very effective because you make a lot, you can make yeah. a lot of noise online like that, and it feels good to be judgmental, and you probably even think you're doing something good, but it seems seems to me quite dangerous. Yeah. Do y'all think though that it, do you think at least it's like a release valve, like at least it releases some tension? Yeah. Like in the sense that it's nonviolent. Like I keep talking about right. it, at any other point in history, it would get everybody would get pissed off until. They would have a revolution and fight. So at least right. it's nonviolent, kind of. But yeah. I mean, it's still pretty immature, really. To me, it still feels like a bunch of kids in school, in, in eight, you know, eight-year-olds. It's sort of this snowball effect where, um, you know, like everybody has a voice and everybody's voice is, is valid, you know. Uh, and then you get this snowball and you get a crowd of people. And I, I always wonder too, like in in your social media feed where it's just sort of confirmation bias at a certain point. Of course like you're, is, yeah. You know, you're clicking on certain things. You're going to see certain ads. Um, you're going to interact with certain things that you agree with. Therefore, everything in your feed is saying exactly what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of the information that we have access to is on one side as a really good thing. But at the same time, it's just sort of confirmation bias. I don't think people know how to debate anymore. Like somebody from an opposite point of view, they're not – 
they're not a human being anymore. They're just mm-hmm. sort of this yeah. yeah this idea out there that yeah. you have to take down somehow and just like shot them down. Yeah, it's, but see, debate turned into a, a a tactic and a game to a d- the degree where it is kind of almost not a thing anymore. Like debates now to me are. I guess it's like dead. Like it's just who's the better at rhetoric. It's not about points, and of course nobody changes their mind in debates. We right. they may have used to at one point, but they don't anymore. Yeah. So both people walk away from a debate thinking they won, and their followers will think they won. That's yeah. what. That's just why it's just silly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a it's a consequence of of where we're at, but you know that's just the way it is. I mean, it doesn't yeah. even seem to do any good to debate. Right or anything. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's more like now it's just all your mama jokes. Whoever tells the best one, they win or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like anything real. And you're right. What's really funny is here's what I can't even believe about my own self. People write nasty shit and have since we've started Emory and now of course bad Christian. They'll say mean stuff all the way to the, they, we're not even Christians. Like we don't even believe in it. They'll say the oh, worst yeah, things bad. about you. And I know that these people are just jokes, and if I met them in person, they wouldn't say these things, or they would be way kinder and way more graceful, but I still allow it to get in my head. It yeah. causes, a, yeah, I there. mean, it might be the point zero 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 one anxiety, but it, yeah. there's a little something there where I go, well, damn, they shouldn't, and I want to like... Uh, I, I want to have justice, not let them get away with talking bad about me when they don't know me, and why they they're just saying something flippant. And then and then I realize, oh, I'm just part of the problem. I'm allowing this person who doesn't matter to my life, yeah. to really infiltrate my life, and maybe even the most minute way, but it bothers me. Well, it's real. I Think if you get ten comments on Facebook that say they love the last episode, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you did. Of course you did. Of course you did. Why right. the hell did you say this and didn't you say this and why'd you do this wrong last right. week? And that that's the one that's the only one you're gonna remember. And you're wound up all day yeah, and you're right. thinking about what you're, yeah. you're I mean, dis- even if you're not, even if you try be. not to, yeah. it's just that's the only I, I don't any general comment of praise or a heart that I get, I don't that doesn't matter. I'm I know it's there. Yeah. But the negative comment is, you know, if and especially if four people said the exact same negative comment, <laughs> now I now I'm just basically assume they must be right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. four out of forty thousand, but if they message me directly and say the same thing. <laughs> Uh, well, they must be right. They yeah. just must be. And so can you imagine if you're a company or not somebody that's intentionally, as we are, trying to push through, make noise, clear out space for other people. Like, I feel like I'm just with a machete in the woods hacking through stuff, just trying to clear some stuff out so other people can act and live and whatever. I've got relatively thick skin. I can handle it. So we're mm-hmm. going to go out there. But there's some amount of threat out there. Like, what if a bunch of people ganged up and wanted to take us down or do something? They probably could. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get, I, I, is that a future we're looking at where us dickheads sitting up here talking, doing whatever, in, intentionally, irreverently, and calm and casually trying to improvise through 200 minutes a week of podcasting? I mean, if anybody wanted to take us down, if that was a thing, I guess they could. But, you know, I don't – I mean, on the other hand, I don't think we're a big enough deal to be attacked or taken down, hopefully. And then secondly, we don't really work for anybody, so the worst we could do is lose a sponsor yeah. or something, which wouldn't really matter. So I guess we're probably safe because we run our own stuff, but it's still a little, still a little scary. I don't know. Yeah. And, and Well, think about it this way, though. What about – what's that guy? Was it – uh Morrow or whatever that recently he he was working with uh he got shut down because he made a, a on uh day without women oh yeah Colin joke. Moriarty yeah Colin Moriarty and then uh you know there's a few people that even though they they've started their own businesses and done stuff 
once the business gets a certain size, you yep. no longer That's you true. can be let go. You can be getting out of there. I, I now, but you know thought. the backlash from that's so awesome and real though because he left, started his own YouTube channel, and before he put out his first video, got forty thousand dollars a month on Patreon because people are sick of the bullshit. So they went right. and support him directly. So he's way better off because of it. So at least that's true. Yeah. And now right. he can't he get probably, fired he, from he being has, himself. He has so. more fame because of it. So Absolutely, it actually is working yeah. in his favor. But I was thinking this. I, I wanted to ask you guys. Do y'all think, okay, now obviously I have to, we have to account for wartime and, and the potential of war and how Toby, scary could you was. hold your thought real quick? And we oh, do yeah. A, let's do a couple, uh, couple pay a couple it, more bills. I'd love to hear what you're saying. Yeah, when y'all come back, it, it, a cliffhanger. It's gonna be we really got to do, do good by our sponsors while we still have them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about a great sponsor right now because these days you can practically get everything on demand, like our podcast that you're listening to right now. You can listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So why are you still going to the post office and dealing with their limited hours when you can get postage on demand with stamps.com? Anything you can do at the post office, you can now do right from your desk with stamps.com. And I mean anything. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, stamps.com never closes. So you can get postage whenever you need it 24-7. And I want to tell you, it really is a time saver. Like for Jess and I, we end up uh, mailing so many things and trying to send this to Grandma and this to Papa and then get this, this package out and all that. It's just, for us, it is so awesome to be able to handle all of that and just mail stuff, right? handle every single mail need that you have right from your house. So I just love it. And we're probably going to be using it here for our, kick, our our Indiegogo campaign that we just did, which was awesome. Thank everybody, by the way. That was so huge and amazing. I was blown away. But wh- how awesome is it going to be able to, to be able to use stamps.com so we're not to stand in line with, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of packages going, okay, here you go. All right, here's another one. Here's a, uh, last time was a nightmare, I know. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. That's why I love Stamps.com. It's just user-friendly. I mean, anybody can use it. Your grandparents can use it. It's not hard. It's easy. So I want to just tell y'all right now, use our name, Bad Christian, for this special offer. A four-week trial includes postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Bad Christian. That's stamps.com. Enter Bad Christian. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Okay, so I dug myself a hole by choosing this next ad, but I'm going to have to go ahead and do it anyway. There's no way around it. <laughs> um, but this is a this is one of our sponsors that I think is great. It's Pro Flowers. And I got Bridget's and Georgia some flowers, and they were so pretty georgia loves them she's just almost four and she already thinks it's so great when we get flowers stuff like that so i love flowers now this particular ad happens to be uh all about mother's day and how much moms like flowers and how important your mom is so as you guys know my mom just recently died in february so this will be i didn't even that has not crossed my mind yet that there's a mother's day coming up and i don't have a mom so i'm not trying to be a bummer and I'm not trying to commercialize the death of my mom, but nonetheless, I would certainly urge you in a genuine way to take care of your mom while you have her. Uh, and a good way to do that might be, the least of which might be something like flowers. That's certainly not enough, but it's something that you can do. And uh, it's a thankless job being a mom. And uh, you, you, 
it's not just moms, but flowers are great for everybody, but this is particularly what's going on. We want to tell people about them, and I think they're going to run some extra spots for Mother's Day, and I think it's a great idea. So when they when you send them the 100 blooms from Mom Bouquet from, from, Plo, from Pro Flowers, it'll make a real impression. It comes with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. And if you really want to make a statement, you can upgrade to a premium vase that includes gourmet chocolates for just $10 more. So you can choose the delivery date that you want, and they're guaranteed to arrive fresh and beautiful and stay that way for at least seven days, or you just can get your money back. So I want you guys to check out their site, consider that, and whatever whatever else you can do for your mom, and not just on Mother's Day. Uh, But flowers make good gifts for everybody in every situation. Moms love fresh flowers. Pro Flowers makes it easy to send the Mother's Day gift with this huge bouquet. And don't forget, uh, there's moms, grandmas, your wife, uh, you know, everything you can think of there. There's good opportunities to send flowers. The only way to get 100 blooms from mom with a free glass vase starting at $19.99 is to visit proflowers.com, click on the microphone in the top right corner, and use my code, Use our code, BADCHRISTIAN. That's Pro Flowers and code BADCHRISTIAN when you click on the mic. This stunning bouquet sells out fast, so get with it and go ahead and schedule it and order it today. All right, where were we? All Toby. right, here's what I wanted to ask. Here's what I, wanted to ask. I was no. thinking, because we were talking, <laughs> the answer is no. Uh, we, were, we were talking about Facebook and how connected we are and how all this stuff is happening and how maybe it, it is a release valve that, that you're able to not... Mm-hmm you know, have a war or whatever. But I was thinking... Less fist fights. Do you think history might look back on... Like, obviously, you have to take into account, like I was saying, you have to take into account war, poverty, racism, all these things. But as far as just uh, being not connected and being able to live a life, do you think that the world might look at, like, from, six, you know, like maybe, like, late 60s to early 90s is one of the best times ever to live? Like, as, as far as the, the, the future was starting to look more and more bright, even though it wasn't there yet, and that we weren't so connected, just in the terms of not being so connected. Like, you could be somewhere without a phone. You could be somewhere without somebody needing you or, or not really needing you, but you thinking they need you. Mm-hmm. And like, all of that stuff that causes this little bit under, underneath anxiety, pressure, and all that stuff. Y'all think that that will be looked on as a time of, like, wow, that was really amazing. The best time. In human history yeah. and, and, is behind and I, us. Uh, right. And the one thing I guess <laughs> I was, was leading me to that, too, is we're only going to be more connected. Like with AI, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all saw it, but the new uh, Mark Zuckerberg was talking about like 10 years. He thinks that for sure Facebook and everything's going to be really integrated without a screen. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to project stuff right to your mind. And they're, they're coming up with Facebook glasses, like, you know, the Google glasses they were, were doing. Like we, we, will, we will never be able to have a time where – you're a human without technology anymore. Maybe we haven't been ever, yeah. but I mean like like internet connected, virtually connected, I yeah. mean, maybe is what I should say. So do you think like that time right before that will be considered, oh man, what a nicer time Possibly. to be a human in a way? Possibly, but we've never seen, you know, my overall optimism is only in the broad view. I'm t- typically skeptical and even cynical of individuals or the moment or the time or, you know, but on the broad view, I just only see progress thus far because there's such a deep pressure on people wanting to be happy and to survive and thrive. That is the basic thing in humans. And so 
over time, we've figured out how to do that. It's so far in human history. And this with horrific consequences along the way at different times for different reasons, and many, yeah. most of which are unforeseen. But the trend is certainly up. Even, the, even if the blip right now is negative, it feels to me like a blip. And the future is probably going to get some stuff worked out. But I don't know. It, it's not. I mean, we are entering new times, so it is possible that we've already eclipsed our best time ever as a species. It's possible. Like, like there's nothing like that felt better to me recently watching you know different tv shows than stranger things when the the kids were just riding their bikes yeah like, you know like it felt like you know it kind of felt like mm-hmm. et a little bit that you know they hinted that but like the idea of you just used to be like a crew and you go ride your bike and now kids are virtual and they hang out online and it's less in person and everything is becoming less that awkward humanity which i think it was pretty amazing though like that that was really fun and being less connected Felt a little more free. I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I feel less uh, free now, I think. Mm-hmm. You are less free in a lot of ways, that's for sure. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be, like, these cults in, in the next couple decades of people just, like, saying, screw it. They there will live, be. They go live out in the woods, yeah. and they're like, we are our connection-free zone. Like, yeah. we're not connected to internet. There will uh, be that. They're not going to allow, like, the trans transhumanism thing, mm-hmm. like, to Yeah. Uh, you like, know, infiltrate. ironically, one of the ways that people might do that is by these giant floating islands in the ocean that are not contained by a national border. So if they, if they uh-huh. figure out how to do that and make big enough sustainable right. boat island they call it seasteading so you can move out <laughs> in the middle of the ocean on a, with a colony wow. of you know five thousand people who right. choose to whatever they choose nudist no technology free medical care commune uh whatever they're into all all right. virtual technology and no whatever laws all gambling no gambling whatever it is that they right. want people you know if you get that technology people can move out and create stuff in the ocean then you could you would have that you could you could do that ironically you could go out in the middle of the ocean and then have no technology. because of the technology yeah exactly <laughs> does that appeal to y'all at all like the idea of being completely un- disconnected like you know that movie the village that's kind of that was one right. of the basis for that like they just totally went back to the 1800 style living or whatever, like, does that appeal to you guys? And, and I'll say no. for me, for me, it does. Like, I love, like, The Walking Dead and the idea of everything. You just go back to <laughs> base, just trying to stay alive. Something about that appeals to me so strongly. Like, I just think, okay, today I know I got to wake up and find food, and that's my job. <laughs> like, sometimes it's so exhausting when I wake up and I go, today I have to be really creative or, or I might not be able to make it. You're going to be you know, like, so bummed when you get a when you get a toothache or something like that. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I think true. it's nonsense. Yeah, Br- Bridget Bridget represents like, the opposite <laughs> point of view of you. She tells me that I mean, when she sees anything on Walking Dead or whatever, it's just so horrific. She just she says it would be so drawn out and painful, and then eventually we'd die one at a time in the worst ways. If something really bad happened, it's not worth it. She wants, if anything goes post apocalyptic, she just she wants us all to just kill ourselves. <laughs> oh my God, man! Before we have to go eat, get eaten by zombies, she just rather not. She just hopes we get killed by the virus or whatever is right at the beginning. Is what her, her policy is. That it's reasonable. Is, that is hilarious. Because we won't. I mean, this look. I, I I'm cut out pretty well to survive in 2017 in fact any other time in human history i would not probably be an effective or good or useful person but you know if we regress back to any previous times it it won't be good for me i mean i won't you know i may be a little bit successful and adapted to this particular time in history but any previous time i would not be maybe maybe rise to the occasion give yourself a little bit of credit 
I mean, I don't know how to kill Maybe an animal or or grow plants. <laughs> so <laughs> I probably I probably screwed. But it just it does appeal to me. Like for example, we've been on tour before. So when we first bought our bus, we didn't have an air conditioner, and we drove that bus all the way uh, till we had to stop, and we ended up having to stop in like at midnight in the summer in the Mojave Desert, and we slept in the Mojave Desert in our bus. This, you know. Uh, metal tube with no air conditioner. It was so hot, and in your—I mean, your bed was just covered in your own sweat. Yeah, all night it was miserable. I mean, it was no relief. It was yep, horrible. That's true. And and I had to admit, what a time! Oh man. yeah, I was, <laughs> but, I but we were safe. It, you know what I mean? We were safe, but it was miserable. I like that's right? true. It was that's one of my best memories. Is all the times I've been super miserable before, but at least I was safe. At least everybody is griping together, yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, I, I think too. Everything in that time, it, with something like that, things actually would mean something. Like making a fire really means something. Like th- this podcast today might mean something or not, and I don't even know. That's and true. It's just you know, you know what, what I'm doing here is just something called a job and something I like doing, and I really love it, and I want to do this forever. And my whole job is based on the internet, so I hope it doesn't go away. But I would say for sure. Like, there's an idea. I love the idea of I have to find food today so we can live because that's real. It's real, just yep. and I need to get it done, and that's what it is. I think that's why I find so much enjoyment, like, cutting the grass. Like, yep. it's just something that has to get done. It's super simple, but it needs to get done, and I do it, and that's that's that. So, yeah, I've been enjoying construction in a similar way. Let's talk about Joey a little bit while he's not here. Yeah. So we oh, just yeah. do straight gossip behind the back yeah. or whatever you want to yeah. do. Well, we Matt and I got a text today. They said, hey, was in a uh, really bad car accident. Luckily, everybody's okay, but uh, the least accident thing was uh, happened was my fault. And, and so, so he was in a terrible accident and uh, with his son in the car and everything. And yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. But he ended that text in a really bad accident, but luckily mostly it's just car damage. Hey, I might end up on Pete Holmes' show. You made it weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he writes us that, and I'm like, uh all I can think about is you're in a car accident. Is everybody okay? It sounds like it's really bad. And then all he writes back is, oops, sorry, wrong Peter. And, and I was like, oh, I said, what are you talking about? Like, he's in a maybe a life-threatening situation. He's talking about this. And end up, he's, uh, I think Peter ends, the theologian guy's coming Not on Pete Holmes, but Pete ends That's Joey. He was, uh, yeah, same thing with, I promise this is true. When the NPR people reached out, for some reason went to his inbox, and I'm telling you, he did not know who, what, what it was. I'm telling yeah. you, he did not know. He just thought some other podcast or radio show. Right. It was uh, yeah. All Things Considered. He, he, yeah, he wrote us. He never said, heard hey, of it. Have y'all ever heard of All Things Considered? I don't know. They're, they're wanting us to do an interview. <laughs> I, I never heard of it. Should we do it? Is it worth our time? Yeah. Because we're always, we're always telling, like, he brings us stuff and says, hey, we have this opportunity. And we're like, Joey, this is some kid in his bedroom. It's, if you right. want to do it, fine. So yeah. we're always like, Telling him, oh, that's this isn't actually a big. It sounds like a big deal to him, or it's not because right. he claims he doesn't understand entertainment. <laughs> is the way that's he says. You got, you guys understand that more than me, but but so we're always hard on him with certain things he brings to us. Like, yeah, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. So then he brings us NPR. It's like, yeah, like y'all said, it's probably not a big deal. But I've never heard of it either. <laughs> he and he's heard of NPR. I make him sound like a bad guy, but funny and 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 mj had you had never really you never had even met joey or knew him before you worked on his book right no just by listening to you guys yeah i didn't know him yeah, yeah. so tell so, so, so give people yeah. insight to as i try to tell people is that i mean who is this guy is he is this real is he put is he a clown is he putting this on 
What is your after? Because people that know him on the podcast assume, well, he must be, he does that on air. I don't know what he's really like or, or whatever, but can you help untangle that? Yeah. <laughs> Let me just say the first pass on this book, I felt so, um, I felt so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's not the, I don't know if that's the right word. I felt so self, uh, kind of self-conscious where I was like, I'm helping this guy craft this. I'm a contributing Mm -hmm. kind of writer to this. And I felt (laughs) so, um, just sort of like exposed and like, I don't know if I can do this. Because the stuff he was willing to write and share. Yeah. 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 But I, but yeah, so I would say it's absolutely the real deal. And he was, he's just willing to let it hang out there and say, like, yep, this is my life. This is my thought process. And the amazing thing about that is then people are sort of drawn in. They're like, oh, yeah, that's right. okay. Okay. So I'm not the only person here. And even throughout the process of, of helping him with the book, um, it was I, towards the end of it, I was like, man, I'm really glad that I got to help with this. Cause I know ultimately, you know, he's like joking about it. We're making light of like things that are hard, but ultimately I know it's going to help people because mm-hmm. then they know they don't, they don't feel so alone in their own craziness. So, yeah, yeah, I, I I think it's neat. That, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like people don't understand. Like Joey, it's going back to that. He is unaware of a lot of things, it, and it's not that he's necessarily naive, but he is naive to certain specific things. Mm-hmm. So, like telling his story, I think he really does think, "Oh, you just say everything." <laughs> so oh, that's like, definitely what he when, thinks. You know yeah. what I mean? When he thought when he decided to write this book, he goes, "Write everything." You know, you know, yeah. and it's funny because you know I did the audio book for it and reading, so I read the entire book. You know, a lot of times over and over when I'd mess up or whatever, and it was interesting to me, like things that he would just say so blatantly, and I was like, "There's so much there." Like, like one of the the uh, chapters or sections, I guess, is about uh, the girl that was his friend, and then she ended up committing suicide, mm. and like his realization of it, it was just, like he never even really addresses. Was he affected by it almost? Like he doesn't even he, he he goes straight into what he did and how he handled it. So that so it was really interesting to me that he did not take time to go. I was really like super broken heart. He didn't take a lot of time to say any of that stuff. He just goes, when I heard that she committed suicide, I knew I had to start sharing the gospel. Right. And he just and, and that is what he did. Like you get to see yeah. that. Yeah. And it almost is like you're in real time. Not you know <laughs> you didn't get to experience you didn't like he tells this unbelievable story. And then moves right on to the next unbelievable story, and and it yeah. was like so. It was really pretty interesting for me, especially reading it, like trying to put those into words. Because I was thinking, what I started thinking, well, if my friend committed suicide in high school, how would I? I, I mean, what would I be doing? And you're right. So it, there's been things in my life where even Joey, as crazy as it is, I was like, oh, well, that. I mean, if Joey can be this crazy and honest, well, I must not be that bad or that that weird or that messed up. Like maybe, I, maybe I'm a. I could be close to, closer to normal than I think. Yeah. 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 And it was cool to help him sort of capture the thought process in the moment too, because as an example in that story, at the end of it, he's basically saying, well, you know, I did my part by evangelizing my classmates and I knew that her blood wasn't on my hands. Yeah. And it's just right. like, it's like yeah. mic drop and just like, what? That yeah, is so messed up. But we talked a lot about how um, he, some the the original iterations of the chapters and stuff that he wrote involved him doing Pastor Joey stuff throughout. So yeah. he would write something and then he would do a reflection. I'm like, no, 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 don't don't reflect on this. Like, tell people what that thought 
where you are mm-hmm. at in the moment. Um, and it kind of builds this like tension that you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. with. Like just right. tell them where you were at. We'll reflect on it a little bit towards the end. And that's what we did kind of a, at the end of the book. But um, just giving people a snapshot into his mind, like in real time. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah. I give him all the credit in the world. And people say, you're all mean to Joey. And yeah, maybe so. But I mean, Toby's mean to me. I'm mean to him. <laughs> Joey's just a just a precious little target. He's so sweet. And I really and the, I hate that people don't know. That. You know how mean he was? I worked under Joey. He was my boss. <laughs> He would do the most asshole things ever. Ask the rest of the people that work there. But because it wasn't <laughs> recorded, he looks like a saint. But he but, said way worse things to me. But it's just, it's really wonderful. Like, I mean, f- people say, but you, what do you make fun of him? Or are y'all mean to him? Or you're not like him or something? Like, look, I choose to spend more time around him than almost anybody in my life. And yeah. by the way, I've crafted my life to spend time around the people I want. That's yeah. about the only thing that is prominent for me in life design is who and where. And then we figure out what, and then we figure out how to get paid or whatever eventually. Yeah. So if any, lest anybody doubt, Joey's the person I choose to be around because it is wild. And it is fun. It's uncomfortable. And he's <laughs> able to be unfiltered in the way that nobody – I just don't know anybody else that, that – is yeah. and so he's he's one of the best people to be around and he was probably what makes this show tick yeah no doubt about it so yeah totally it, it, it throws that wrench of like i mean you all can do a great job of making everybody uncomfortable but joey brings the next level oh yeah he throws a oh, wrench yeah. in it to where like you, you like you guys are you got, love it you have a good, chaos you have a good trajectory and then he asks a guest <laughs> the question you don't want him to ask yeah and they're like damn it i feel uncomfortable for you guys yeah. sometimes listening. he's the only one that's not uncomfortable the guest is uncomfortable toby's uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable every listener Listener is uncomfortable. He's just grinning. Just, yeah. <laughs> no great. worries at all. Now, now moving on from there, like so, you, you I mean, I, I read the before and the after, and so you did such a good job with Joey's book. But then writing your own book, mm. how how difficult is it? Is it easier a little bit uh, editing somebody else's words because your identity isn't wrapped up as much in it? It's completely a hundred percent easier. I was so surprised. So by trade, uh, most of the bits of work here and there that I'm doing is, is mostly editing. I do a little bit of like marketing writing occasionally. So I'm editing other people's books, like almost, you know, five to six days a week. Um, and I was really surprised how hard it was to start to, to write my own book, start to finish. I was like, Oh yeah, I I've got this nailed, you know, it'll, it'll be fine. Um, (laughs) I had to do rewrites, and I mean, it's not even a large book. It's like I got the book right here. Yeah. See, Reva, can you get a shot of it? Yeah, it's like 140 pages. It's not a big book. It's by, called Getting Jesus Wrong. Yeah, by the way. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> so it is absolutely harder um, to write your own book, and um, and I'm and as an editor, like the the temptation that I have all through the process is to edit as I go, which completely slowed me down and bogged mm-hmm. me down. So I. You know, I had to write that initial draft, and I just knew it was my crap draft. Like, any writer you talk to, everybody talks about that. Like, yeah, your first draft is just garbage, you know, but you got to get it out, and then you have to go back and edit. So Sounds horrible to me. I've almost <laughs> given up the idea of ever really writing a book, but I did write an endorsement for your book, which I And thank you for that. Yeah, so to get in here today and see it in there, I'm in good company on that, so I yeah, thought that was really cool. cool. Yeah. It's Mike Wilkerson, Paul Zahn, Steve Brown, Mark Solomon, Jeff Mallinson, I don't know who he is. Uh, Judy Dabbler, who I think is very, very cool. Yep. Who else did you get in here? Elise Fitzpatrick. Oh, uh, yeah, and me in here. Oh, let's see what else we got. Anton LaVey. 
weird. I know that was that was a weird one, wasn't it? Yeah, I just you know I figured I'd throw it out there like, hey, Anton, you know I don't know if you'd be interested in this, but uh, so that was. <laughs> did you did you dislike the process of having to like? Hit me up and make me write the thing and get thoughts back and ask people to tweet about your book coming out. Oh, How, how's I, that work with a I, real publisher? I hate it. Do they make it. you do it or they just guilt you into doing it? They guilt you into it a little yeah. bit, but um, it's a small publisher, uh, New Growth Press, um, and so they they kind of meet you halfway. Like they had a little marketing firm. They had uh, they had got me on a blog tour and they're tweeting some stuff out. So that's always helpful. Um, but then you have to manage the messaging of that. On the one hand, you're like. You know, they would send me like tweets of what they want to put out there. I'm like, ah, that's exactly the opposite messaging that I want. Can we tweak this a little bit? So there's that part. Of, and I, you know, I, I appreciate the help that I'm getting for sure. Um, but then the other part is that you have to do your own marketing. And like you said, I have to go after people and ask for endorsements, which just makes me so uncomfortable. So like they, they would send me a list of like, you know, 30 different people um, and I only kind of know who a third of them are. And out of those people, I might only know a handful of people like we've actually had a conversation before. So I'd find myself late at night. Oh, I got to get to these stupid endorsements. And I start crafting this email to some like seminary professor in the Midwest that I don't know. And I'm trying to find some point of commonality mm-hmm. and I can't. So I just, you know, some of those emails <laughs> never even went out. But <laughs> Yeah, books, I don't know if, like, I don't want to be overly aggressive about it, but they seem to be, like, it's going to be hard for there to be, and I know books is still a good industry compared to music, but it seems like it just doesn't make a ton of sense to, I feel like books are got to be less of a thing in the future. They just, it just has to be, it just doesn't make sense that it's so much work to put. Just because of the length? Well, like, what do you mean? You mean what about for the reader, though? Yeah, I'm thinking more from the writer's point of view is actually what I'm th- oh, I think. I think the writer. I know there's a good. I mean, you look. If you sit down and read a book cover to cover, you will be changed by almost indefinitely. It doesn't matter if it's a book yeah. about cleaning up your house or what something about theology or whatever. You give yourself this long to somebody who mm-hmm. spent the time editing, getting the rhetoric just perfect. It's going to be a big influence. And so that's still true, but the curve, if the if the profits aren't really there, especially, and there's so many other ways to communicate, like podcasts and stuff like that, it just seems like pe- people that write will just choose other forms of communication possibly in the future. Like, it's yeah. so much work in a year long and year and a half and all this stuff you're saying. I mean, maybe there's alternative ways. I mean, maybe the half of the writers, the good writers go to YouTube in the future is what I'm saying. Stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's I think it's just part of... Um and this is the the other part of the marketing that I, I hate. It's like, you know, building the brand. What's mm-hmm. your brand, you know? So for a lot of people that are doing media and stuff, it's sort of a piece of the puzzle. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, for the, you know, the craft of writing and for, you know, writers that are just doing writing, um, I think people are going to have to get into other forms of media, too, to raise awareness because, yeah, I think people consume media in so many different ways now. It's Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's changing for sure. Yeah, Sam Harris was saying uh, on his podcast a little while ago, like he's a writer, writes books. That's all he yeah. ever has been. He's like, he found podcasts. He's like, well, this is way easier. And I get yeah. way, I, you know, he can get uh, like hundreds of thousands of people to listen to something that he works on this week. And yeah. he works on it this week and puts it out and it's hours of content. Yeah. And this is the whole book takes a couple of years to go through the process and it's still only a few hours. Yeah. And less people get it than his podcast. So right. where should his time go? Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's 
I don't read his books, but I can listen to his podcast. So it's wider too. Yep. So, yep. and you can get the basic gist of it. So basically, yep. you're saying that my efforts were fruitless, is what? You're no, saying. I mean you're going to be one of the last people in human history before this new era that Toby's talking about, yeah. like, like back when people wrote books yeah. and back when people were doing, you know, doing. Before all we all go transhumanism, uh, and yeah. you were at the you were at the very end of that indie music thing before it got commercial. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're just a. You know, you're on the cutting edge of the end of things. So there you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> it's yeah. really good. Bef- the last gasp. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I think that books are are going to be here forever. Yeah, and they will. Here's why. Uh, like, what is really neat about a book is I think what is going to happen is we might start. Uh, I don't know if we'll write differently, but we could even be reading differently. Like, uh, we're so trained now for you know. Uh, the big hits, the clickbait title and this, read something quick and do all that stuff. But I think a lot of people are going to start writing books that way as well, um, where you'll be able to hop in, hop out, and it'll it'll be valuable. Like I just I started reading this book, um, The War of Art, and it, yeah. it's really neat the, the way the guy wrote it and everything, but it's just it's really interesting. And I started thinking, wait a minute. Like he, he kind of tackles a little bit about – uh, depression and the way he talks about depression, anxiety, and stuff like that is as resistance. And I and I was like, oh man, if he was talking about this, people might immediately shoot him down and go, oh, he said something bad about depression. I don't agree with or what. But that's not what he was saying. But in book format, mm-hmm. you have to give the yep. the author a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and yeah. time. Yeah, you've already committed it to it, so, so you have bias. So I like going into that it. aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. I like. That you can say mm-hmm. something, maybe even that might be controversial in this book, MJ, and I have to sit with it for a little bit and read on, and then I get a really way more in depth, uh, you know, idea of what you're trying to say. So that that is what I think is neat about books. Like you don't get to just hit hit it only, and uh, I think eventually it'll come to where you'll be able to read those points and come back and hop in and out of books. Like uh, one of my favorite books is the Four Hour Work Week by. Uh, Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. and I, I, that book's really neat because you can go to the last chapter and read it and you can hop back and do this yep. and, and I know he wrote it that way intentionally but, uh, but um, I'm thinking too still like reading a whole chapter reading several chapters you really do get an idea of what the person's trying to say it, on a podcast like I think we oftentimes still because you're on a, you're a limited time you're not going to have that many people you don't want to bring it up three episodes in a row sometimes mm-hmm. that's like, right you know people people get burned out on our topics already so i think sometimes you can have more weight with the book and it can be really powerful that way mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what uh do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of what what this book's about like a, a quick snapshot of uh, uh, some clickbait <laughs> <laughs> some clickbait yeah we'll get, after we'll i said all that <clears throat> so Subtitle is Getting Jesus Wrong. Subtitle is Giving Up Spiritual Vitamins and Checklist Christianity. Yeah. So, so the, the high level of this, and I think I only discovered this. Um, yeah, I just discovered this, uh, you know, post this book being <laughs> published, which is ridiculous. Uh, it's the spiritual component of a midlife crisis, basically, is what it comes down to. It, it took me a while to sort of discover it. It doesn't mean that like I... you didn't have that idea in your head until after you... Not at that. all. I was like, what was that? Oh, I see what it is. So basically, everything in my life is is breaking right now. And that's, this is the spiritual component of everything breaking. Um but yeah, I I, I you sort of going to get a Mazda Miata with your book advance. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put the top down a, a red uh, Mazda Miata. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think it was just me sort of coming to a place where I was rethinking everything. And so I've been a you know Christian. I, 
I became a Christian in like, in like high school, sort of nominally believing family. Um, and so when I looked back over the 25 plus years of being a Christian, I started seeing these patterns of like, you know, you're part of one community, then you're disappointed. You know, you're disappointed in yourself for your own failure. You're disappointed in the community. And it's not like I was never a church hopper at all. Um, but what I kept seeing was there was on the one hand, my perception of what my faith was about, but then also what I was hearing from these communities too, and sort of what the big sell was. You come to Jesus, your life's going to be amazing. Oh shit. Like my, my life's not amazing. I must be doing it wrong. And then you have to deal with depression and, and frustration. Um, then you, then you, uh, become a part of another community and like, Oh, we're culturally irrelevant. We're going to, you know, we're going to change the culture. We're going to make an impact. And then your community completely falls apart. And you're like, well, I guess I had that one wrong yeah. again. So originally when I started writing, I kind of want to have, you know, I say this in the introduction, sort of a, a, a snarky spiritual corrective. Like, let me tell all y'all why your theology is wrong. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to set the record straight here. But what I realized is when I occasionally in my initial drafts, I would write, um, like an, an anecdote or a snapshot from my life. And I realized those chapters worked better and it's not an autobiography necessarily. Um, but what I, what I realized is when I told those stories, those chapters work best. So I had, I went through a rewrite and I wrote it again and I was like, okay, before I start trying to point out where things are wrong, I need to say where I got it wrong. Um, and that's the process of like what I discovered, you know, and, even after it's been published now, I'm like, what was that? Oh, okay. It was me like going through sort of a faith crisis basically. So, um, I feel like I've emerged still a believer, but feeling kind of tore up you mm-hmm. know, and feeling disappointed. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's not like a, a highly inspirational book. Like <laughs> I made the mistake the other day of reading through some of my Amazon reviews. Oh yeah. Bad idea. <laughs> it's like how you guys were saying earlier, like that one thing that gets stuck in your head, you know, like I, they're, they're good reviews. And then there's a few where people just completely get our, like, they don't get it at all. You know, it's like, did you read the introduction by chance? You know, they're doing a review, yeah. but, um, so it's not. And one of the, one of the things they, that, that one reviewer said is, is that, I was kind of a downer. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, if you read the introduction, yeah. you would, that's, you that's would see that's the, what it's about. That's one of the immature things in our culture right now that drives me crazy, and I'll save a topic for another day. But it's it's people saying that things that are either downer or don't have all solutions pre-thought out that are guaranteed to work shouldn't be said. Right. You can't be negative because – you here here's the – I'll just do this on another episode, but – it's a silly and immature statement that I take strong issue with when people say, I want to know what you're for, not what you're against. Right. That is a right. very irritating statement, but we'll have to do that another time. Yeah, totally. Because uh, we're a little bit out of time today. But I want everybody to get this book and check it out. And, you know, maybe it's a downer, oh, yeah. but maybe downer is true sometimes if you have a midlife crisis. Yeah, exactly. So, so if, if you sell enough of these, you'll be able to put flames on decals on your Miata. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the, the, the big themes of it is throughout is death and resurrection. Okay. So Christianity, if you look at some of the bigger themes, that's a pretty big one, you know? And so yeah. I go through these different aspects of our times of life, like, okay, well this died, this died, this died, this is in the process of dying. Okay. And now I think the hopeful sort of bittersweet at the end of it is like, I'm going to wait for, for this thing to resurrect. Let's wait and see what happens. 
and I'm banking cool. everything um, on the fact that Jesus rose. I'm united with him, and I'm going to rise too. I think that has implications for life too. So hopefully there's a little bit of hope. Yeah, that sounds way more joyful than you were saying. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. So Matt Johnson, thank you for being on here. Do you, do you, What's your website? Is it Matt Johnson something? The real Matt. The real Matt Johnson. Com. Com. Yeah. Com, As opposed to it. the fake one. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of fakers out there. All the and posers. there's a common name like Matt Carter. I mean, Johnson, yep. Carter, Matt. I know there's a lot of those out there, but the real one. So Joey isn't here, obviously. He had a car accident, but he's also on his way to a pastor's conference for the week. So he won't be here Thursday either, but Toby yeah. will be in studio which is good and then Woo! extra special treat it looks like Mike Herrera is going to come take the ferry over and sit here with Toby and I on Thursday that's right so we'll have that's another right. ancient dinosaur of a tooth and nail you know person here oh, sir. I, yeah. I got the, stories about that guy <laughs> well you can come back too if you want to all no, four of us can sit good. here hey before the next segment there's just something I really want to do we're not doing do. the next segment we're, no. we're, we're over for today but you're you, you're over. Okay, you're not doing another segment. Can we just do one more thing, though? Absolutely. Just, yeah. So I'm a little disappointed that uh, that Joey isn't here, and I feel bad that he got in a, in a wreck. But one of the things that you guys do is, like, almost this disaffected, detached, maniacal laugh. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that we could do that together. <laughs> I, I really wanted yeah. Joey to be here, when too. When we laugh at what? Do it. Just whatever. It's a little bit uncomfortable. Or yeah. it's it's all it almost sounds like cruel laughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Riva, do you know what I'm talking about? And they all laugh in unison. Like when we hear bad news or something like that. I don't know. Somebody cracks a joke, but it's like like a, at the a, end of the episode, a little right. bit uncomfortable. We, we'll probably have to do like a little patchwork uh, sample of all all of that laughter sometime. <laughs> so can we just try that right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we'll end the show. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> and uh, this is about. Hold <laughs> 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 oh, that. <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.